I think you just have to give yourself permission to do it, to do it badly. That was that was an issue for me. We talked earlier about perfectionism. Uh, my entire life, I have uh, missed out on opportunities because I really couldn't bear to do things badly where somebody else could see them. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, and I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host. First of all, I just want to say, dudes, it's the end of December. Can you believe it? Oh my gosh, I really can't. Um, this year has flown. I have to tell you, I'm pretty excited for today's guest because she is someone who was unknowingly influential in my life at a key moment a couple of years ago. This is going back to when I was really taking a look at changing my habits. I found a podcast called The Productive Woman. And Laura McClellan is the host of that show, and she's my guest today. Woohoo! <laughs> you know, um, I'm still using some of the tools that I discovered through her podcast a couple of years ago today. So I'm so excited to have her on and introduce her to you. But before I do, um, I want to remind you that I have a gift waiting for you. It's a workbook called Five Steps to Your Midlife Reboot. Um, you know, it's that time of year when we naturally start evaluating the past year and thinking about where we want to go from here and what a year it's been. So I created a free guide designed to help you start taking the steps to break through that stuck in the mud feeling. Um, you can sign up to receive it as an email series. Uh, it has some ideas and practical exercises you can use over the course of several weeks. And you can do them at your own pace as they'll be waiting for you in your inbox when you're ready for the next step. You can find a link to the sign-up sheet in the show notes. You just go to latebloomerliving.com podcast and look for episode 29. You can also find it on my Instagram feed as a link in the bio, and you can find me on Instagram by looking up Late Bloomer Living. Okay, it's time to hear from Laura McClellan. Let's go. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So um, I started listening to your podcast. I think it was, it's probably been, hmm. I think it's been a couple of years or more um, that I've found you. And uh, it was right around the time that I was, I was going through um, some major changes that actually ended up leading to me starting my own podcast. Um, and uh, some of the things that I learned from your podcast were, were um, uh, bullet journaling. And I was really looking into how to be more productive. And there you are, the productive woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, it's a pretty obvious title. I guess it gives you a pretty good idea of what the show's about. It really, it really is perfect. It drew me right in. Um, so I'd love to let people have you just kind of take us through your story, which is full of, of twists and turns um, throughout your life, not just through a midlife pivot or anything like that, but you've got a really great story. So I'm going to let you take us on a little journey here. 
Okay. Well, where would you like me to start? Well, um, you know, I think it's really interesting that I know that you had kids um, prior to starting uh, starting law school, and uh, I know you were homeschooling them. So why don't we go from there and then kind of see see where we get to? Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess we do have a sort of unusual route to getting where we are today. My husband, Mike, and I married when we were 18. And we had our first child when we were 20. And, uh, you know, fast forward through various things, we ended up, surprisingly, with five kids. And when our youngest was a year old, we left Nebraska, where we had lived for, I don't know, 10 years or so, uh, to go to New York for me to start law school. And in the interim, I had gone back to finish my undergrad degree. And so we were ready for the next step. We moved from Nebraska to New York, where I started law school at Cornell in Ithaca. And yeah, during that period of time, I had been homeschooling my older kids and continued that during my first year of law school, oh there, <laughs> which, which was interesting. I, it's, I would not recommend starting homeschooling your first year of law school, but I'd been doing it for nearly 10 years at that point. So we had a pretty good system in place and a pretty okay. good routine. Yeah. And, and so, and my oldest at that time was, uh, that was her, her freshman year of high school. And so, she was pretty independent. My second was a couple years behind her, but both of them, they were the ones that, you know, were most actively being homeschooled and they were pretty self-directed at that point. I mean, I had the curriculum chosen for them and I worked with them, but I could get them started and they would work on their stuff while I went to school and then I'd come back and work with them. So it wasn't as intensive as say, you know, working with an elementary school age kid that sure yeah you know, would need you to be right there with them the whole time boy I, I mean I'm just so interested in this I could almost like change gears and talk about homeschooling because <laughs> I wish I was built to do homeschooling I, I, I know I you know kind of thought about it with my kids who are now 13 and 16 and I am just not I'm I just know my limits and I'm not built that way and now all of a sudden we're all homeschooling in our own weird ways um but I'm so grateful and thankful that my kids are older as you said and less needy and they just get on and they they kind of do their thing I I feel for all the parents out there who have younger kids and are trying to balance work and school and the whole thing. Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's been a real interesting year for a lot of people. Our oldest daughter has four little girls. Her, her oldest is, you know, in junior high now or middle school and, um, and her youngest is, I think she's kindergarten. Um, but they, you know, they had a period of time where they were having to do school from home. And I will say, and then I know this isn't the point of this particular conversation, but as a side note for those who are dealing with this, schooling, remote schooling, like a lot of people are having to do it during the COVID pandemic, is a world of difference from homeschooling. And I, it, to my you know, in, in my opinion, it's much, much harder than actually homeschooling. So I feel for you. Yeah. Wow. 
Oh my goodness. And again, I'm, I'm just like really the perfect name of your podcast, the productive woman. Like I, I can't imagine like you've got five kids and you're going to law school and, and then you, how long did it take you to finish law school? It's a three-year program. Okay. And so just the, the first year I was homeschooling, but like I said, uh, other than teaching the one of the younger ones to read during that year, uh, the older ones were were much more self-directed and self-sufficient. Um, and and in fairness, though, I, I have to say it's not that I'm superwoman. I have an amazing family, and in particular, an amazing husband who really, really stepped up. I could not have. Um, survived law school and done the things that I have done since then, if Mike hadn't been willing to step up and sort of step into some of the things that I had done for the the 10 years previous to that, where I was home full time homeschooling, you know, cooking the food, doing all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we made this decision as a family to, to sort of switch gears and do this other thing, uh, everybody stepped up to help, but in particular, Mike really, you know, he, he just really stepped up. Wow. Yeah. And, and I imagine he, yeah. How, how else could you have done it? Right. Yeah. yeah. You, it, it really takes a team to do something like that. So, yeah. Wow. And then you, when you finished um, law school, you got a position right away. It sounds like, right. Yeah, it was a very different world back then. This was in the late 90s, and um, the legal market was very different even than it is today. And and I was at a good school, and I you know I had done well at that school, so I I started work right you know like a week after I graduated from law school. We moved to Texas, and I actually moved down ahead of time to start studying for the bar and working for the firm that had hired me. And Mike stayed behind in New York um, for the kids to finish the school year and then, you know, move all our stuff down to to Texas. Wow, that is quite a journey. So how long were you guys, um, how long were you down in Texas by yourself? I'm trying to think. I graduated, you know, in May, uh, right before Mother's Day or right around Mother's Day, uh, left and drove down to Texas. uh, And I think Mike and the kids came in, um, I want to say June or July. Yeah, I was maybe say it, that's it was not closer too to bad, huh? Yeah. No, it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. It was. I had a, a week or two of staying with some friends down there while I looked for a house, uh, and we we were just going to rent. We didn't want to buy until we were more familiar with the area and figured out where we wanted to live. And so I pretty quickly found us a house to rent, and then. Um, I was there for a month, maybe six weeks before the rest of the family and all our stuff showed up. Wow. Amazing. And I mean, your bio make, like, I'm looking at your bio and all of a sudden your partner, how long did that take? Well, that takes, it takes a few years. I mean, yeah. I, I think I'd been at it for seven years, maybe. Yeah. Um, wow. When I made partner, uh, it, some it varies from firm to firm how long it takes. I was at a, a large firm, and the larger firms tend to take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. I think nowadays it's more like eight years, eight or nine years, at least in Texas. In New York firms, it's even longer. I think. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So that's a lot. So 
by the time you made partner, how, how old are your kids by then or your youngest, let's say? Our youngest was, I think, sixth grade. I actually made partner at a, at a firm in Seattle because in, in the middle of all this, when I was a few years into it, I was recruited away and we moved uh, back to Western Washington, which is where Mike and I are originally from. Right. And I joined a firm in Seattle as an associate. And I think it was a year, maybe two years later, they made me a partner. And so at that point, our two oldest kids were, were out on their own. Uh, our second child, actually, our oldest son was in the United States Navy at that point. Um, I think Ben, our middle child, second son, was, was in high school at that point. And so our youngest was, you know, maybe fifth or sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, you know, at some point, I know that, that you start now, you, you and I talked a little bit before, and you said you've been writing um, fiction mm -hmm. since forever, right? But you decided to uh, finally get going on a novel that you'd been tossing about. And I think that was probably when you were about 52, right? Was, were the kids, how old were, how old was your youngest by then? He was, I think, in high school at that mm -hmm. point. So our, our two youngest were, were in high school around the time that I did that. And it was, like you said, I've wanted to write since I was a kid. And I've played with writing stories and had lots of ideas, but I had never really sat down and, and finished a novel. It's something I had always wanted to do, um, but had never managed to make the time to do it. And I, you know, finally kind of had some realizations in my early fifties that um, the reason I never did it was because I was afraid of failing. It was such a dream of mine that in, in the, the sort of subconscious says, well, if you never try, you can't fail. Mm -hmm. And you can always say, I, I, I could have done it, but if you try and it sucks, then that dream is dead. Yeah. And I had to sort of work through that and just decided in, in my early fifties, you know what, I'm going to write it. it. Maybe it'll never get published, but I'm going to, I'm, I, I don't want to reach the end of my life and say, I never, I never finished a novel. And so I picked an idea and sat down and started writing it. And I think it took me about a year to basically get it finished. Um, it's, it need, as I told you before, it needs quite a bit of editing because it's like a hundred some thousand words and but wow. it's way too long. It's women's fiction and it needs to be more like, you know, 85, 90,000 words. And so it needs some, some editing and some tweaking and, and that sort of thing. But at least I reached my goal of kind of getting through a, a first draft of a novel. And that's amazing. What did you do to get yourself past that fear? You know, that's a great question. Cause I don't know if there's uh, any one thing I can point to. I think it was mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, reading that I'd done uh, stuff written by other writers about the writing process. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a bookworm and I read lots of different things, lots of things that I guess would fall into the self-help category. And, 
and I just started thinking about, you know what, I'm reaching this, this age of my life, and I, all my life, I've wanted to do this thing, and I've talked myself out of it, or let myself be scared. That's not how I want to end my life. I, I, maybe, maybe I will suck at it. But I've got to at least say I tried that I did this thing that I wrote the thing, whether anybody else ever reads it. Um, or not is not the point. The point is to be able to look back and say, okay, I did this thing. And I did, um, you know, I, I, at one point, I know I, I had a lunch with or dinner with a, a, a published author that I knew. And I actually hired her to, to just read through what I'd written so far and give me, you know, am I on the wrong track? Is, am I crazy to think I can do this. And um, she she read it and gave me some feedback and, you know, some things I could do to make it better, but some very encouraging feedback. And that really helped me keep going. That's great. Yeah, boy, amazing. What a difference I, I imagine that must have been to have an outside eye of somebody you respected, um, give you that kind of encouragement. Yeah. And I think that you know, that concept can apply to anybody in kind of any area where something you want to do that you're, you're not 100% sure you've got the right stuff, finding somebody who's successful in that area, and, uh, you know, hiring them as a coach, in almost any endeavor, there are people who, who you can hire to, to, give you feedback, to be sort of that dispassionate eye looking at what you're doing and giving you, helping you kind of, I don't know, craft the direction you're going to go, giving you ideas about how you can do it, uh, helping you think through the process. That can be hugely helpful. Yeah. I, that is something that I'm, I, I, I it's a running theme as I interview people, um, mm -hmm this idea of having a coach or, um, or some, some sort of support uh, yeah. to help get you through it. Cause I know for me, I, I held myself back in so many ways for so long, mm -hmm. um, trying to do things myself and, and bootstrap it all, all alone, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and in this past year um, have, I, I, I had a couple of different coaches and I mean, it's just been, and just reaching out to people and asking for help. That is, that is something that I've taken on as a challenge for myself this year um, to ask for help and offer help more. Yeah. Um, what a difference it's made. In yeah. My life. Well, most of us are not very good judges of, um, our own capabilities mm -hmm. or, uh, or of, and we're not very good at sort of seeing the big picture. We get very kind of stuck in our head. It's interesting to me is you, you may know this, that, uh, that the concept of, um, imposter syndrome and oh. how many women in particular, and specifically very successful women, women that you would look from the outside and think, wow, she's, she's so accomplished and so successful and looks so confident. Those are the women most likely to suffer from imposter syndrome. We, we just are not very good judges of our own accomplishments and our own capabilities. And so having somebody, um, 
who is on the outside, who doesn't have an emotional investment in us or what we're trying to do, to give us their their perspective on it can make all the difference in the world. It doesn't work to go, you know, to our mother who, mm-hmm. who loves us and thinks everything we do is fabulous, or even our friends or our, our spouses or significant others. They can't necessarily be objective enough where someone else, you know, who, who sort of does this for a living or who's got the experience and the qualifications in the area that you're wanting to get into, they can give you that objective look at what we're trying to accomplish and our ability to do it and maybe help us see ways around the obstacles, whether internal or external, that we just can't see for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so, so true to have it, how important it is to, to look beyond your immediate um, family and really close friendships, because a lot of times in their, in, in their love of you and, um, wanting to protect you, a lot of times they're going to be looking at things that, you know, and, and looking at it from a way of keeping you safe and instead of helping you grow. So Um, true. And, and it's easy for you to, if they give you positive feedback, we, it, it becomes very easy for you to dismiss it because <laughs> yeah. well they he, he loves me or she loves me so of course they're going to say that they don't right. know <laughs> so true oh my goodness and one of the other things besides coaching that I've um stepped into this year is is working with some other um small business owners who um you know and 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 kind of masterminding with people mm-hmm. and 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 um working through little you know coming together and saying okay I'm working on this thing and I'm kind of stopped here and just having somebody else who understands uh yeah what you're going through and and maybe a step ahead of you in one area you know you may be a step ahead of them in another area and mm-hmm. you know you're able to kind of help each other out that way it's pretty yeah, that's it's that can be such a help. Um, just getting other people's perspectives, whether from from whatever, because we all come at things from from a different perspective, depending on our background and our training and our personality and all of these things. And so, uh, a group like you've described can really make a difference. That's something I've done over the last few years. I've been a, a member of a a small group of women who are writers who we meet every other week for an hour or so via Zoom because we're in different parts of the country and, you know, share ideas, share struggles, brainstorm solutions for each other, um, give feedback on things that we're trying to do. And it, it, again, it's that it's that sort of outside perspective that can make all the difference. How did, so, so I'm curious when you got started with this, how long, how long have you been doing this? Uh, the mastermind group I'm yeah. part of uh-huh. oh, that particular one. I think we've been doing it for two going on three years now. And okay. So you guys were zoom trailblazers. You were zoom before zoom was uh 2020 yeah. zoom. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, and, and, um, uh, that one I got involved in just because the, the two women that were kind of friends and decided they'd like to put something like this together, um, 
one of them knew someone who knew me who suggested I might be a good fit for what they were trying to do. And so they reached out to me and uh, invited me to be a part of it. And it's one of those things where the other women in the group have all been published, uh, in some cases, more than once, several cases more than once. And so I feel felt and still sometimes feel a little, you know, like, what, what am I doing in here? I'm, I'm a big phony, because I haven't been published in that way. You know, right. but, I, but it's I, so funny, you just answered my question. I, I was literally going to say, how did you feel joining that group? Was it, you know, were you nervous? Or? Well, I, I was nervous. I thought maybe it was a mistake that they had invited me that they didn't understand. <laughs> but, but you know, the, it's not so much, the mastermind isn't so much just about writing, although everybody either, everybody in the group does write. They felt like I had things to contribute both because of my, you know, and writing endeavors, but also um, the, the stuff I do with my podcast. And so they, you know, I have different things to contribute to the conversation than a woman in the group who has been, you know, had has had multiple novels published. So it, you know, you just sort of begin to understand we all have something to contribute to the conversation. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And you just provided me with the perfect segue because I wanted to get to your podcast because my, my question is, okay, so, so you're a lawyer, you're a mother and a grandmother, and you're writing your novel. And I think you're writing other pieces too, correct? You, you've got some other writing you're doing besides? Yes. Right. And then you, you, so what prompted you to start a podcast? I mean, I will speak as a podcaster. It's a lot of work. So what, what prompted you to then take on yet another, another thing? Well, isn't it, that's, it's a funny question. This was back in, I started thinking about this probably back in early 2013. And I, at the time I was commuting uh, an hour or more each way to my office, my law office. And anybody who you talk to who's a lawyer will tell you that if you let it, the practice of law can take up every brain cell and every bit of time, energy and attention you have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was kind of thinking about wanting to do something not related to the practice of law, the writing thing I did sort of a little bit here and there, but where it all started was maybe a year before that, a a blogger that I followed uh, and liked a lot talked about launching a podcast. And my response at the time was, what's a podcast? I didn't, Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Right. Uh, But he launched his and I started listening to it. And from his, I, you know, different guests that he had, I started listening to other people's podcasts. And I got to thinking, you know, that might be something I could do. Um, it, it, it just seems like it would be fun to do and, and interesting in a way that I could sort of, I don't know, express a different side of myself than, than my law practice allows for. And so uh, this all was sort of developing in my mind. And, and so at the end of 2013, I just decided to go for it. And I um, 
signed up for a course that that uh, particular kind of podcasting expert offered at the time. He doesn't do it anymore, but it was a 30-day sort of online thing with weekly, you know, Skype chat kind of uh, for the group mm-hmm. uh, that took you from an idea for a podcast all the way through getting set up and uh, doing all the various steps you needed to do your artwork and your your gear and everything through recording your first episode. And I decided to spend the money to to do that. And so I did. And uh, with the goal, the intention of this was December of 2013 that I did it with the intention that I would launch my podcast in the first week of January of 2014. So I went through the course, I did all the stuff, got my art, you know, had someone create the artwork that you have to have the cover art, mm-hmm. had my husband who's a musician, create my theme music, did oh, all cool. the stuff, mm-hmm. and then did not launch. I had a website created, but I did nothing for because for various reasons. And fast forward to June of 2014, and I still hadn't launched my podcast. I actually stopped listening to podcasts because I felt so bad that I had oh. spent all this time and money to uh, to to do this, and I hadn't done it. And oh. I finally you know, sort of the same thing is with respect to, to writing. I, I realized at some point in June, my problem was I was afraid to launch. I had, had come up with lots of reasons why I couldn't do it. Wasn't ready. Uh, even though I had all the pieces in place and I was just, I was afraid people would think it was dumb. People would think, who, who does she think she is? I, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I finally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so there was one day late in June when I was driving somewhere and I thought, well, I'm going to listen to uh, one of Cliff's podcast episodes. Cliff Ravenscraft was the guy who whose course I had taken. And it just happened that the episode I listened to was addressing this very thing, this being afraid to start feeling... Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like you'd had nothing to contribute and you know, all this, I cried through the whole episode. Oh my gosh. And, uh, I think it was the next day I decided, you know what, I'm going to do it. And so I walked in, I didn't even have all my expensive gear set up. I took my iPad into my walk-in closet and recorded a five minute episode on my iPad. I was in the closet because good acoustics acoustics. (laughs) (laughs) recorded a five minute episode saying this is who I am this is what my podcast is going to be about uh, and I will be back next week with a real episode and I didn't even edit that thing I just published it straight from my iPad up to up to iTunes Uh because I knew if I had waited to edit it or do anything Mm -hmm. I would chicken out yeah and you can still find that episode in iTunes I it's it's, it was terrible, but it was, you know, 
And I find that to be so inspiring. And I think people should go back and you know what I mean? <laughs> go back, listen to that. And then listen to the one of the newer ones. I bet you there's a, such a world of difference. I bet. Right. Well, there should be one. Hopes. Yeah. I, I committed to, you know, being back the next week with an episode and my goal or my commitment to myself was to try and get it, do a little better each week. And I've been doing it ever since every week since since July 1st of uh, 2014. Do you, do you have, here's a question for you, and I think I might know the answer to it, but do you have perfectionist tend- tendencies? Oh, yeah. 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 It's, <laughs> and, and nobody can live up to that standard, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I have to, uh, I have to just ignore the voice in my head that says that sucks. What I've learned from from six years of podcasting is that I cannot tell when my episodes are are good or not because <laughs> the ones that I've thought well this one really bites nobody's gonna you know that this will be the end of my podcast um those are the As ones if it all hinges on one right <laughs> You know, but that's, the, that's <laughs> right. But the yeah. stuff we say to ourselves, right? Yeah. Those those episodes that I think are the weakest are almost uni- uniformly the ones that I get the most positive feedback about. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, well, I have no clue. Then I, all I can do is just, you know, give my best effort in, in, as far as choosing topics that I think are going to be of interest to the women who listen to my show do my best to to make it a good you know good episode and leave it in the hands of the listeners at that point because I I just have no clue yeah Uh, there's one thing I've learned as a recovering perfectionist which I I suppose I will always be (laughs) um is uh you know in the past couple of years um I, I read something somewhere heard somebody say you know what there's just, there's not even, it's such a false thing. There, there's not even, there's no such thing as perfection. It just, right. does, it doesn't even exist. So what are you doing? And, yeah. um, and the other thing is uh, I came across the term uh, in a class at some point that was uh, imperfect action is better than perfect inaction. Yeah. And now my, my resounding thing that I tell myself is done is better than perfect. Exactly. Get it done. Just get it done and just keep putting it out there, you know, and, uh, and sooner or later you have a body of work and you've, you've done something, you know? Yeah. And it's been such a, when I first launched, I thought, well, my mom will probably listen because she loves me, (laughs) but there was no reason for anybody else to listen. What I hoped in doing it was not, it wasn't a case of, okay, I have all this expertise in productivity and let me bless the world with my, you know, great wisdom. It wasn't that. I wanted to put something out there to let, if, if anybody listened, to let them know, you know what, you're not alone in struggling to get the things done that are important to you. Here's a few things that I've learned that might help, but I'll bet you know some things too that, mm-hmm might help me. And, you know, I have a guest about once a month, and it was always, um, it's always a woman who's willing to come and share, here's what works for me, here's where I struggle. And I feel like if we can have these conversations, we can all help each other kind of get get through the things we're trying to accomplish. Right on. Uh, but, but I, 
and I apologize, my dog is going to bark now because the UPS guy just showed up. <laughs> That's okay. My last episode, her kitty cat started going crazy about, about 45. It was great. It just heard the kit, kitty cat in the background. Meow, 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 yeah. meow. Thank, thank, <laughs> thank heavens for editors. Right. Or I may leave it in. Sometimes I like to leave the imperfections in once again, because I, you know, I'm like, you know what? People need to hear that. Yeah. The, the, and, and here we are, we're, we're all home in a closet or whatever, uh, doing, doing our best and, uh, you know, wearing our pajamas on the bottom and our nice looking clothes on top for zoom calls. That's what it is. It's fine. Yeah. Well, I guess the point, the point I wanted to make was that's what I wanted to accomplish was to, to reach out and maybe serve women in some way by letting them know, you know, nobody's got it all figured out, but we all have pieces that we can contribute to the conversation. What's been so gratifying to me is the community that has built up around the, the podcast and the feedback I get from listeners literally all around the world. And uh, I, I, a couple years into it, started a private Facebook group for my listeners and seeing them support and help each other, that yeah. a woman will post a question or something she's struggling with. And before I can even get there to, to offer feedback, other women from all over the place are jumping in saying, I feel that same way. Here's something that works for me and that it might work for you too. And uh, that that is just so gratifying to me to see that community supporting and helping each other, which is all I ever wanted to accomplish with the podcast. Yeah, that is, that is a beautiful thing. I want to back up a little bit because um, you went from being a podcast listener to suddenly just, it sounds almost like suddenly deciding you wanted to do a podcast. How did you land on the idea of looking at productivity? Um, how did that come about for you? Well, as I was thinking about, you know, going from the idea of, you know, I might like to have a podcast. The next question, of course, was, well, what would I talk about? Mm -hmm. Well, I've been a a productivity nerd, I will call myself, since I was, a, you know, a kid, probably at least in middle school, if not before I was, this is terrible. I mean, this is what it what a nerd I am, I would, even in, you know, sixth, seventh grade, I would go to the library and pull books on time management and organization and stuff like that off the shelves and sit and read them. And I loved charts and, and calendars and lists and all that kind of stuff. I was always interested in that and uh, trying different things. And of course, that um, knowledge that I gained and the things that worked and didn't work certainly stood me in good stead as I got older and got married and started a family and all. Clearly. Yeah. That's what's allowed you to do everything you've done. That's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Knowing that kind of stuff and, and can, a lifelong learner, I still to this day love reading books about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I got older and you know, started my law practice as a woman of a certain age. Um, the younger 
women in the firm would come to me at different times and ask, well, how do you, how do you have a family and, you know, succeed as a lawyer? I just had my first child, or I just found out I'm pregnant with my first child. How am I going to do all this? And I, you know, have conversations with them and brainstorm solutions and share what I knew. And so all of that was the backdrop as I started thinking about starting a podcast. I thought, mm-hmm. what can I talk about? I'm not going to talk about real estate law. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to do anything related to my law practice. But I thought, here's something that I'm interested in that I know uh, other people want to learn about. So mm-hmm. this is something I could talk about without having to, you know, go out and learn some new subject. So it just really was that it was, I want to do a podcast. This is something I'm interested in and know something about. So I could probably do something like this. And as I looked out there, there are other, and there were before I started other productivity podcasts, but most of them at that time, and maybe still today, most of them were hosted by um, men Mm-hmm. generally young men who worked from home and or had a and were either single or had a wife who kind of took care of all the stuff and so and and I can say this because I'm friends with a lot of those guys now and I've been on their podcasts and we've had this conversation that mm-hmm. um, they had a lot to contribute but their perspective was very different from mine as a woman with a family and a career uh, and the things that they would suggest doing, I would think, okay, well, that's awesome, but I have to get up and go to work tomorrow. I don't have 100% control over my schedule, and I can't, you know, sit and, and meditate for an hour and a half in the morning or wh- whatever, you know, whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I could bring a little bit different perspective to the subject of productivity than these guys who, as I said, I now consider friends. Yeah. And I love, I love this, this whole thing. I think there's such a great lesson in here for anybody listening that it's, I mean, you've took something that for you um, is, I, I, kind of like your superpower, if we'll put it that way. This is something that you're good at, interested in. And did you always realize that other people maybe had challenges around this? Because I'm one of those people, any kind of productivity um, uh, that I manage, I, I I was the kid that always got needs improvement on my report card when it came to time management. <laughs> it was so frustrating. Um I kind of have to whip myself into shape to get things done. You know, I've tried to be a lot kinder to myself as I, as I try to figure out how to do that. But at what point did you, did you figure out at some point that you, that other people were challenged by this or did you kind of always know that? Well, it's, it's some of both. First of all, I don't consider myself an expert and I don't position myself on the podcast as the expert. I, mm-hmm. I am a fellow traveler. I'm always trying to do better at, um, you know, I may know lots of things in certain areas, like I can talk about the apps that work for me and things like that, and how to how to put a to do list together. There are certain skills that I've learned over the years that I've out of, you know, self preservation to survive, you know, 
raising kids and going to school and all these other things. But I don't, I don't have a perfectly productive life. I what I what I had to, and, and so I wasn't trying to tell anybody I have a perfectly productive life. Mm-hmm. A lot of the topics that I cover on the show come out of my own something I'm noodling on or struggling with or trying to get better at. And so I'll go out and research. All right, what could I do to like, why can't I get myself to to write this book proposal that an agent has asked to see for a, a nonfiction book about productivity? What do I need to do to get myself, you know, overcome the inertia or the fear or whatever is holding me back and make progress on that. And so I, I'll research that and talk about it. What, what was, what I had to learn in terms of other people's struggles is the things that I think are so basic that aren't worth talking about. Uh, I have found that they actually are worth talking about the things that I have known, you know, that I learned many, many years ago that I think are, everybody knows those Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Everybody doesn't know those things. And so I get encouraged by different listeners or different people that it's okay to go back and talk about those things that I think are so elementary that everybody knows. Right. Um, Yes. Yes. And that's, I guess that's exactly where I'm coming from is I think that, I guess what I'm thinking for, for my audience is like, if there's something that they're, if if there's something that somebody wants to do or, or if somebody's feeling like, oh, I wish I could start a business, but I don't know what I do. And, you know, a lot of times I think, it's about looking at the things that are, um, that are basic to you mm-hmm. that other people come to you f- for maybe advice, uh, yeah. or, or they, you know, the, the things don't, don't overlook, I guess, what's easy for you and think it's not valuable. Yeah. I, I, I think of that in terms of, of my husband who, is a brilliant musician. He works right now as an engineer because he, he, he had a midlife pivot too and went back to school and got a second set of degrees in engineering. But he was born a brilliant musician. His parents knew he had musical ability when he was two or three years old when he had one of those hideous drag around toy xylophones that kids get that <laughs> just drive parents crazy. And as a two or three year old, he would sit and play songs on that, that he had heard. He's just very gifted. And it came years to realize, and and it took me telling him, we met in a music group when we were teenagers, uh, telling him many times that the, the things that he can do are extraordinary. He, he would say, well, any good musician can do X can listen to a song and tell you what key it's in and write it out, you know, notate it. I said, I'm sorry, dude, I'm a good musician and I can't do that. There's lots of people who, who are good musicians that can't do that. And so that these things that come so easily to you that you think, well, everybody already knows that or everybody, anybody could do that. Um, probably that's probably not true. And, and so you're absolutely right. Sometimes having someone else to talk to, uh, who can point out that this thing that you're good at 
is something other people struggle with and you you have something to contribute there can can be a great place to start that and things that you're just really interested in yes yes which is you know one of the questions i guess i wanted to ask you is like if if you know what do you think like if somebody were to feel were to be feeling a little stuck and not sure what step to take next in midlife do you have any kind of thoughts on how somebody could kind of move through that kind of stuck point well i guess a couple of things come to mind one of them is what we've just been talking about look try to look back and think about times you've been doing something that you've been completely absorbed in it and just time kind of ceased to exist because you just thought it was so interesting or so fun or whatever. There may be something there. Um, but I think beyond that, if you're really stuck and you can't, I, you know, you want to do something different, you want to make a change, but you're not sure what, um, I think most of the time we actually do know, but we're afraid to admit it to ourselves because we think other people will think it's dumb or, you know, whatever. Um, so sometimes having, finding someone to talk to, and again, maybe you can ask your friends, what am I good at? What would you say I'm good at? What do you think? What would you say my strengths are? They can tell you that. Mm -hmm. um, but armed with that information, sometimes having someone sort of unrelated to you, an outsider, you know, hiring a coach for a couple of sessions to kind of think through this stuff with you and say, well, this is what other people say. Um, they might help be able to help you kind of uncover what you should do with that, what help you uncover what you actually want to do with that, but can't even admit to yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what if somebody kind of knows, like, let's say somebody's got a novel in them that they've been, you know, or they just want to sit down and write that novel, any, any advice for somebody who just has something that's like a bucket list thing, they know they've always wanted to do it, but for whatever reason, like, I, I gotta think that for you, part of it had to have been bandwidth on top of the fear, you know, just, you know, not, I mean, my gosh, you had so much going on. You're here, you are going to law school and raising kids and then, you know, getting into a law firm and then working your way up to partner. There's a lot going on there, you know? Um, but somebody gets to a point and, and then, and they realize, okay, maybe that bandwidth is starting to open up, but I'm still stuck. Any, any words of, you know, anything that worked for you to push you past that? I think you just have to give yourself permission to do it, to do it badly. Mm -hmm. That was that was an issue for me. You know, we talked earlier about perfectionism. Uh, my entire life, I have uh, missed out on opportunities because I really couldn't bear to do things badly where uh, somebody else could see them, mm -hmm. see it. Uh, I, I, so I would not, I would sit on the sidelines rather little things, even as like back in high school, when I was out, you know, with at an event with friends, not jumping in to play, play basketball with it, with the group or do something like that, because I knew I couldn't do it well, or was pretty sure I couldn't do it well. And I didn't, 
didn't want anybody to see me do it badly. Mm -hmm. I had to give myself permission to do it badly. And for me, writing the, like, you know, when we're talking about writing the novel, same thing I had to do with writing first drafts of papers for school. I would give myself permission to do it badly, but I would, this is how bad I was. I would write as I'm typing, I would type in there, yes, I know this is terrible. I'll fix it later. Because I didn't want if if I were to drop dead, I didn't want somebody to find it and think I thought it was good. <laughs> so, so I would type that in it. Yes, I realize this sucks really badly, but I'll fix it later. And then keep going. Just spew it out onto the page knowing right. knowing that you can fix it later or you know if a podcast you know record it knowing that this is probably terrible but it can be edited and I'll do better next week mm -hmm. ah I love that that's such good advice oh my goodness I know I want to respect your time and I keep <laughs> talking about all this forever I'm going to ask you a couple uh well one one little thing like is there a book or a movie or some teacher? What's been formative for you? Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of things. I mean, one of, if I had to choose one book, you know, aside from say the Bible, that's really been important to me in, in my thinking about being productive, it probably would be Greg McEwen's book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. I keep hearing more and more about that. I need to check that one out. It, okay. It, uh -huh. It's one that I reread periodically because it just really was um, transformative in terms of my thinking about being productive. The other thing that comes to mind in, in terms of a resource that's really made a difference for me in, uh, is actually a podcast that I found that I would listen to um, while I drove. And it's called, it's called the Life Coach School podcast yes. hosted by Brooke Castillo. Yes, you turned me on to one of your podcasts. You mentioned her and you and I started listening and that has also been very transformative for me. Thank you. I'm going to thank you now. So much well, thank her because yes. I I talk about it frequently because it made such a difference. There the things that she talks about it it Really, she was a starting point for me to realize that I could control what goes on in my head uh -huh. uh, and that I can control how I feel by controlling what goes on in my head. That concept really was life changing for me. Yes. And I, I still to this day, um, she's where I go when I start to get kind of I don't know, down on myself or mm -hmm. my thinking gets messed up. I, when I get to the end of her podcast, I go back to number one and just start over. I've listened to, you know, her whole series. I mean, she keeps recording new ones, but I've gone back and started over many times because it's just so it, it made such a difference in my ability, my, my realization that I am not at the mercy of whatever thoughts come into my head, that I can actually look at them and say, 
Okay, that's an interesting thought, but I'm not going to, I don't believe that. I'm going to think about the, the, how I feel when I think that is not the way I want to feel. So I'm going to think about this other thing instead. Yes, that whole idea of yeah. looking at um, separating circumstance and fact uh-huh. from what you're thinking about that, that, yeah, that fact or circumstance, and then how that thought is making you. I mean, the whole thing. People yeah. go listen. The yeah. Life Coach School, Brooke Castillo, pretty and darn it, amazing. Yeah, yeah, and it it sounds like it would be only for people who want to be life coaches, but it's not. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. That I agree wholeheartedly. That's very cool. Is there anything you're reading now or any, any shows you're binging on? I don't know that you have time to binge. (laughs) I do periodically, my husband and I, you know, we both have lots of interests and, and work commitments and stuff. So we always try to have some TV show that we'll watch, together um and that will sort of whenever we have time to sit down and watch tv we'll watch watch certain shows together and we we really liked um person of interest we which is you can see on i think it's netflix is where you can find it that is one of the my favorite shows that we've watched right now we're watching as they come out uh, the new season of the Mandalorian and, uh-huh. yep. and also uh, Star Trek discovery. But as far as books right now, what I'm really fascinated by and enjoying is uh, I, I recently listened to and liked so much that I bought the, the uh, uh, hard copy cover of a book by a guy named David McCraney. And it's called, you are not so smart. Um, and the subtitle is why you have too many friends on Facebook, why your memory is mostly fiction and 46 other ways you're deluding yourself. It's, it's fascinating. Look at, at the things we, we believe about ourselves that aren't true. And I love that one so much that he has a newer one out that that's called you are now less dumb. And it's just, it's kind of a continuation of that. They're fascinating books. Uh, that are really useful um, to, to to help understand kind of our current times and how we how you know without getting into politics there's a lot of rancor on social media and tv and and people yes. who believe one way hate the people who believe another way and this book really makes you think about um what you think you know about truth and your own mental capacity and other people's thinking and all that kind of thing. Yeah, boy, the world would be a whole other different place if we would all stop and really question ourselves uh, more often and what we, you know, question our beliefs and what we think and, and to be true and, 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 uh, and really take a step back and, and consider the possibility that maybe we're, Maybe we're, we're wrong. Could be. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's very cool. Well, I'm very excited to go check those out. What is coming up for you that you're excited about or what do you want people to know about? Oh my goodness. I'm, you know, just still trying to navigate through a different world, <laughs> with a different world that we're all living in because of COVID. I'm hoping Uh, to host some uh, in-person planning retreats for women in my 
productive woman community in the months to come where as soon as people can travel again. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. We're planning uh, some, you know, small in-person retreat kinds of things. I'm looking forward to that. I think I can safely say on this podcast, because hopefully none of my youngest daughter's friends uh, will hear it before she announces it next week at Thanksgiving dinner. But our younger daughter, she and her husband are expecting their first child. Oh, um, that's yeah. so exciting. Well, this will not go out into the world before then anyway, before okay, she good. makes her announcement. So you're safe. This, yes. So this may come out sometime in December, I'm going to guess. I still have to okay. kind of figure that out. But oh, that can, so now how many grandkids is that going to be? Well, that'll be number nine, unless oh somebody goodness. else surprises us. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so fun. That'll keep you good and busy, huh? That's yes. exciting. Yes. Now, how can people find you? And I will put stuff in the show notes as well, including the books that we've talked about and different things like that. Oh, probably the easiest way would be to go to the website, which is at theproductivewoman.com. And there's a contact page that you can send me a message. Um, you know, I'm on Facebook and some other social media places too, but the easiest way is just to go to the, the website there and there you can see what's going on and get in touch with me that way. And I love hearing from people. So great. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. I'm so, so very happy to have had you on. Well, it's my privilege to be here. So thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. If you want to know more about Laura, I'll have that information for you in the show notes, of course. Just go to latebloomerliving.com slash podcast and click on the show notes for episode 29. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, if you got something out of this today, can you take a minute to share this with someone you love? I'd really appreciate your help in spreading the word about the podcast. Um, by the way, next week, I'm doing a short solo show to close out the year. Let's say goodbye to 2020. I hope you'll join me and I hope you'll find new ways to celebrate with your family this year. I love you guys. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.